Conscious Living Show with your hosts Jan and Bill Moore. We'll take a moment to thank John Fogarty for that song Mystic Highway that we opened the show with. That is off John's latest album, Wrote a Song for Everyone. 14 great guest artists and a great album overall. Thank you again to John Fogarty for that opening. And we hope you'll enjoy today's show and all of our shows because our intention is that they will empower you to live with power, passion, and purpose and manifest happiness and prosperity, harmony and well-being. We'll be interviewing expert guests on conscious evolution, personal empowerment, conscious business, natural health, and how to create a conscious lifestyle, and many other interesting topics. So without further ado, over to my lovely wife, Jan. Well, thanks for that introduction, Bill. And hi, everybody. This is Jan here, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the Conscious Living Show. Today, I'm going to be talking to Nikki White about overcoming fear to achieve your dreams. Nikki has been running small businesses for over 10 years, as well as being a spiritual and intuitive person. She has a passion to assist people to be the best small business operators they can be. Having worked as a PA and VA for over 20 years, she's incredibly organized and efficient, yet is also a certified theta healer. Weird, perhaps, that she classes herself as a spiritual business person and highly recommends mixing the two. Her passion and strength lies in working with idea generators, helping them to distill their ideas and dreams into tangible steps so that they can actually achieve them. She combines her business skills with a little bit of woo-woo and creates a magical combination of practical and loving business support to help you on your journey to success. I agree with Nikki in that she says the reason that most people aren't succeeding in business is because they're self-sabotaging and don't believe in themselves enough to make it work. But the good news is we all have a choice. Some people buy into the fear, believe in it, let it consume them, so they stay small and so their business doesn't grow. They don't become successful. They sometimes even close down their business. But then there are those that combat the fear, work on the fear, heal the fear, push through the fear. They grow, they strive, and step up, speak up, and shine. They ultimately succeed. So if you'd like to be one of those people, I'm really glad that you're listening to this radio interview with Nikki, uh, who has got up very early in the morning to be uh, on air with us from Australia. So Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jan. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. And of course, we're going into autumn and winter over here, and you're just going into spring and summer, which is uh, must be lovely at this time of year. It's a beautiful time of the year. I actually just put my thongs on for the first time today, so it is definitely warming up over here. So it's, it, I much <laughs> prefer the warmth than the cold. Yes, absolutely. I must say I agree. We're just having a, a few bad days in Colorado of cold and wet and, and very much like English weather, which takes me back to when I was back in England. So, But anyway, enough <laughs> of that. Um, let's get on to talking about this topic of fear in business. And why do you believe fear is such a big issue uh, among business people? 
Mostly because um, it arises when we need to take our business to the next level. So what happens is we start a business and it, we kind of go through all the emotions of starting and um, we get kind of started. And then what happens is as we want to grow our businesses, um, you, you know, so let me just rephrase that. What happens is you get into a comfort zone. So you get your business to a stage that you're really comfortable in and you've got it working and, you know, you've got some clients and all that kind of stuff. But then when you want to grow it, it's really um, stepping out of your comfort zone to the next level. So it might be that you have to learn a new skill. It might be that you jump into social media a bit more. It might be that you have to bring on staff. So when we step out of those comfort zones that we're in, that's when the fear arises because it's something new, it's something we haven't done before, it's something that um, may or may not work. So, you know, there's, there's a hesitancy about that and that's when the fear kicks in. And that's the reason that um, most people stay small in business is because if they can't get through that fear, they can, you know, they can learn the technical side and they can, you know, read every HR manual they want. But if they can't step out of that self-sabotaging fear to actually create the next stage of their business, um, they stay small. And, and that, I guess to answer your question, that's why fear plays such a big part. It's because the, it's the... It's the part of us that we really can't control. <laughs> and do you feel that a lot of people go into business without really understanding what's involved? I know, you know, from my experience, um, growing up, being in corporate, going into business eventually at quite a late stage, you know, I was never yeah. really taught anything about running a business. It was it was really assumed that you'd get a job and then you just did your particular role in that business or corporation and didn't exactly. have to tackle the, the whole range of things that particularly solopreneurs have, are faced with every day. So do you find that, that that's yeah. a big factor? Absolutely. And... Um, I see it all the time. I work a lot in the health and wellness space and I see it all the time. So even if somebody has been in corporate, they um, go in and then they decide to run their own business. They'll go and study a modality, if we're just talking about the health and wellness industry for a minute, um, you know, and maybe that's massage or kinesiology or whatever that is. And they go to college and they learn that skill. But in those colleges, they're actually not being taught how to run a business. So all these practitioners are coming out into the world and it's the same in personal training and, you know, it reaches out into a lot of other industries. People are being taught a skill but not how to run a business. So, and it's kind of assumed that it's something that's going to be easy and that we all just will be able to do. But, you know, there's so many areas of different areas of running a business. And I think what people forget is actually running the business is just as important as seeing the client. So what you do, what your service is, is what we get taught, but we just don't get taught this other massive 50% of what's going to help us be successful, which is the whole running a business and marketing and, you know, the, the business management side and all that kind of stuff that just is totally getting missed in today's day and age. Yes, and I think that's probably why so many small businesses fail within the first five years because um, a lot of people especially in the space that you're talking about. I mean, I, I deal with quite a lot of clients in that holistic field. They really yeah. just want to do their thing. They really don't want yeah. to, to get their hands 
dirty in the, the business of marketing. And that's where there's this real conflict between, you know, what they really want to spend their time on and knowing that they actually should be work, working on the business as well as in the business. And I, I think it's particularly more noticeable in that sector. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, people go into that sector because they just want to help people. They don't want to know about numbers and bookkeeping and Facebook and Twitter. They just want to have one-on-one -on -one appointments with people and help them. And I totally understand that. But, you know, it, at the same time, it, there's a big education piece around that. Well, those clients and that one-on-one -on -one time with them aren't going to come unless you can be professional and run your business and bring people to you in the first place. And then, you know, there's the argument, well, you could get somebody else to do that and that's okay, but um, energetically then it's not your energy bringing those people in. You know, I think at the end of the day, what's attracting people to every business is the person behind that business and that energy that that person has is so, so important. It's, it's what differentiates all of us from each other and it's why... I can sit with, you know, three other business mentors and not feel threatened because I know that... Um, each of us bring our own thing to the party and people will resonate with me and other people will resonate with somebody else. And, and I think when people look at outsourcing and whilst outsourcing parts of your business is totally great and, and I do it as well, uh, I think it's really important to remember that as a business owner, your energy is, is a driving factor to attracting the right clients to you. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because you know, I'm a great believer in communication energetically. And, even, you know, I've done quite a bit of work in web development because after years in IT, as well as moving into coaching and mentoring, I also um, had a, a period as a, an internet consultant and web developer. And one of the things yeah. that uh, people have remarked upon is how much energy is um, projected out of the website that I develop. It's really interesting. I can distinguish dead websites from really good energy websites. And I think yeah. this is the case yeah. with all forms of communication. Everything is energy. And, you know, I, do, I agree. I think there are certain things that you can outsource that are perhaps more routine things. But, you know, a lot of people try to outsource things like social media communication. And I think in that case, they are failing to get their own voice out, their own authentic voice. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I always say to people, um, if you're going to outsource, you outsource the doing bits. So if you're going to outsource your social media, that's great, fine. I'm totally happy with somebody else to be posting my social media. And I do have a virtual assistant that does that but I write it. It's my voice. It's my copy. It's my energy. It's what I want to say. And then she just does all the graphics around that and makes it look pretty and gets it out there. So mm. I think, you know, if somebody has that fear of technology, then I would be saying to them, you know, get somebody else to do the technology for you. But it has to be your voice and it has to be your message and what you want to say to your clients. And, and just on that, the other thing that I, I see a lot is people go, okay, well, now I have to put my copywriting hat on and they are trying to follow a formula of, of what to say on their website or in their social media of, you know, they just freeze up. And, and here's a total 
a great example of fear in business is you know they sit down and they go right well I have to write my homepage and and this their brain just snaps into um, fear of what will I say and what I try and say to all my clients is just have a conversation with me just tell me about your business and and I actually do this with my clients I will just type what they say and then I turn it into some content and they go oh my god that sounds amazing you did such a great job and I go no, it came out of your mouth. But, but when they're having a conversation with me, it's so much easier for them to just talk about their business than if somebody sits down with that mentality of I have to write a homepage. Yeah, I think you're right. You lose the, a lot of the spontaneity when you sit down and it's almost like, well, I've got to get this perfect. And you're more, you're more concerned with the process really than than the content and i know from you know from my background i having done a lot of work in in writing business proposals and things like that it's very easy to to kind of fall back into that official official speech you know official uh, style which doesn't come what should i say rather than what i want to say yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, there's so much information out there on the internet as well about, you know, how to market, how to attract clients, how to do this, how to do that. And often contradictory, I really feel that people can get overwhelmed as well with information that actually never get implemented because, you know, they they see one thing that looks really good but then another one comes along before they've actually t- taken the time to implement what they've learned yeah so and, and everybody's uh, looking for that quick fix what's that miracle what's that miracle thing that's going to earn me millions of dollars and and um and I think that's you know where the shonkiness can come into the whole coaching business learning side is that everybody's looking for a quick fix and I think it's it's a reality that there isn't a quick fix. There is small business is something that grows um, with your energy and it grows with your time and there isn't some miracle plug-in that you could put into your website that's going to bring millions of dollars straight to you in two minutes. No, absolutely. So how can people actually recognize when they're being affected by fear in their business? So the biggest way that people can recognize fear in their business is procrastination. So you know when you go to, um, and you know I, I find myself falling into the trap as well. I just have more awareness around it. So I was going to do my very first Facebook Live this week and I suddenly became very busy. I had lots of things to do and I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And that's when you can start to recognize your fear. And I think if people think back to their old school days when they had exams coming up and rather than sitting down studying, we would clean our rooms and we'd go and make a coffee and you know, do all these things that your parents went, oh, my God, you never clean your room. But you're there cleaning your room and dusting every little piece so that you don't have to sit down and study. And that happens in business all the time. It's that procrastination of, um, and, it, and it appears in so many different ways. It appears as busy. It appears as um, time wasting on, you know, I'll, I'll have to just scroll through Facebook for an hour before I'll, I'll be ready. It can even be... Um, uh, in the guise of research, you know, so I see a lot of procrastination image searching. So, for instance, let's say that somebody has this huge fear of writing on a website, they might spend 
<clears throat> three hours searching for the perfect image to go on their homepage. So it's, it's that awareness around when, when you are procrastinating, when you find yourself delaying something, have a look a little bit deeper and go, what's causing this? Is there a fear around me putting myself out there or t taking my business to the next level? Yeah, I think mean, that's the, the best, absolute best example is uh, procrastination and also an avoidance, which is both the same thing, but avoidance, you never get around to doing it. And procrastination, you might get there eventually. And, uh, and yeah. the problem is, of course, you then, you then make things worse by beating yourself up about the fact that you've procrastinated, which doesn't help in the slightest either. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you put more pressure on yourself, and then it all blows up. Exactly. Yeah. So, are there any specific fears that you see all the time when when you're working with clients? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, the biggest, I guess, the big two are um, fear of failure, and then conversely, fear of success. So, and that's all based on past what's happened to somebody in the past. So, somebody may have failed quite big in the past and really scared of doing that again, so really hesitant to start new things in case they fail. And then the other um, end of the spectrum is fear of success, which sounds really silly, but um, people actually, when they look into it, go, well, I don't want to be that famous person, or you know, I just want to have my little life. So even though they're striving to this goal, they're actually really fearful of it. And, and when you can bring that awareness to that and, and start working with that fear, it's amazing how much that they can suddenly grow their business and be comfortable with growing it. And then there's all the normal fears around, you know, who am I to be doing this and, and um, you know, who's going to listen to me and what I have to say. Um, lots of confidence um, issues come around with the fear. Yes, absolutely, and I think there's a real fundamental um, issue amongst everybody to some extent in terms of self-esteem issues and this not good enough concept. And I think it, it uh, manifests in, in different ways and to different degrees in different people. I mean, even the most famous performers get stage fright, <laughs> you know? So absolutely. And yeah, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't matter what level of business somebody is in, they will always be feeling fear. I have worked with some really, really successful entrepreneurs and I've watched them lie on the floor and have like a little tantrum and try and get the fear out of their system so that they can move to the next level. And it doesn't matter, you know, at every point we... And I think it comes from very much that we compare our internal feelings with everybody else's external feelings. And it's that old um, analogy of the duck uh, who's, you know, when you look at them on the surface that they're just gliding along the water, but in actual fact their legs are paddling really, really hard underneath. And what we feel in ourselves is the paddling hard. So we are constantly on this treadmill of, our businesses and, and the getting through the fears and all that. So we know we have all this inside us, but then what we see on the outside and, and particularly since Facebook has just boomed and, and Facebook is the biggest culprit for this, 
we're seeing everybody else's shiny exteriors. We're seeing all these other ducks just gliding along the water and going, well, how can it be so easy for them? And, and you know, everybody's highlight reel is on their, on their Facebook page. Oh, I just got this new client or I'm just speaking at this event. And, you know, we're all projecting our highlight reels, but then we're all comparing our insides and our internal turmoils with everybody else's exteriors. Does that make sense? So, so that's when that, all that lack of confidence just steps up big time for us all because we're all comparing ourselves to the wrong part of everybody else because everybody else has got the same internal issues. We're just not showing them. I think that's an excellent point, Nikki, because, you know, I, I used to, before I got into personal development, I used to think, well, why is it everybody feels so confident and they seem to be doing things so easily? And here's me feeling this real, you know, inner turmoil over, I had a big issue with not being good enough, you know, from my past history and a lot of scarcity issues from past history. And I... You know, you're absolutely right about Facebook. It, it very, you know, it's giving a very superficial view of how people are really getting on. And I actually worked with somebody who had has over six thousand Facebook likes, and yet her business is wow. not going anywhere. You know, so yeah. even that, you get this impression that. You know, these people, in fact, there were several people I talked to um, over a short period with thousands of Facebook likes, and we tend to put that on a, on a pedestal. You know, well, if you've got all these Facebook likes, you, likes, you must be doing really well. And yet they were getting yeah. no clients from it whatsoever. So I think you're right. Comparison is one of the worst issues, and, to, and especially when you're comparing against a false reality. Exactly. And, and I'm not saying that everybody should just jump out there and start doing our sob stories about how hard life is on Facebook. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is for all of us individually to realize that all those people who look like they're having a great time on Facebook and are really successful, um, you know, they're, they're struggling as well. I have the perfect example that I have a girlfriend who um, we have been running our businesses alongside each other for, you know, my whole business career. So we're very close and, and we share a lot about business and we just kind of went through this period where we got busy and we hadn't talked for a while and I remember we sat down for a coffee and I said to her, and quite jealously I said to her, can't believe that you're just, you know, doing so well in your business and I'm struggling and do do and she said, What? She said, I'm I've done this and I've had this and I've had this and she told me all her things and I said, Well, none of that's on Facebook and she said, Well, I was feeling the same with you coming to this coffee. She said, You look like you were having an amazing time. Your business had just boomed. So we were both in the same boat of feeling jealous of the other people. We just hadn't communicated our truth to each other. So, you know, it's, it's just really creating that awareness. And actually since that one conversation, it's been a real eye-opener for me that if I catch myself watching Facebook and, and going, oh, but I just think no, and I just close it down and I walk away and do something else because it's not even worth it energetically for me to step into that space. No, I think you're right. And also, you know, on an energy basis, again, it can be a real energy vampire, can't it? A real draining energy. I, before um, the show, I was just looking through some LinkedIn group posts 
And yeah. seeing the kind of uh, conversation that was going on, um, just I didn't want to be a part of it, you know. I just felt, oh, no, that's just going to take energy away because yeah. I just feel this um, element of um, conflict in there, which, you know, I think I'm very sensitive to. But similarly on some other Facebook threads, Thankfully, I think if you choose your friends carefully, you tend to get more positive um, posts. But it can be a real energy drain and a demotivator um, if you and get too... Especially if somebody's a solo operator with no colleagues that are in the same boat. And I do see this a lot. And I think people who um, have fear in business the most are those people who have maybe started a business and nobody else in their circle of friends have, are in business. And I think it's really, really important for every solo entrepreneur to have other solo entrepreneurs that they can catch up with and talk to about the realistic parts of the business and, and be really open and honest with each other because I think the people that struggle the most are the ones who don't have that connection and then they are looking to Facebook and LinkedIn for that connection but it's not authentic enough and that's when you, you know, you're sitting on your own and the internet just seems to close in on you, uh, around you and, and um, sometimes you know, it's just a matter of going to networking events and actually having face-to-face contact with other people to say and, and having some really honest and authentic conversations that can help you break through that fear and keep moving on. Yes, absolutely. And one of the points that I've made recently, actually when I was interviewed on another show, was the fact that the most successful people never did it alone. They had a whole host of um, mentors and advisors and, and a real support team around them. And I think this is something that people overlook, the value of having a support team, particularly when you're going through challenging times. But even just to keep you sane <laughs> and keep you focused yeah. on, on the right thing in, instead of this virtual reality of the internet that is, is, is so misleading in many cases. So Absolutely, I, I totally agree. It, in the light of what we've just been talking about, and since this is the Conscious Living Show, how does someone's subconscious thought affect all this? Because this is what we're talking about, isn't it? This, these inner thoughts versus this outer um, reality. Yes. And really at the end of the day, your subconscious is, and it depends who you speak to, somewhere controlling somewhere between 88 and 95% of your thoughts. And I think the easiest way to describe that to people is that you're not walking around going, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You know, your body is running itself subconsciously. And then on top of that, you know, if we say that 90% of our thoughts are subconscious, they're the, they're the thoughts that are running through our head constantly. So um, even if the people are going, okay, well, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to break through this fear and I'm going to conquer this, there could be these subconscious beliefs that are running like a tape deck in your back of your mind, but that, you know, especially that, well, who are you to be doing that? And you're not good enough to be doing that. And, and beliefs like that, that are just, um, and, and the subconscious plays like a tape deck. It, it's kind of what you're used to and it's what you've been told and it's what you've been taught and it, they can come from your parents and they can, it, it comes from your past, your past experiences. They can be ancestral beliefs. Um, one that I see a lot 
and um, is working with women in business and they have a subconscious belief that they cannot earn, um, that their husband has to be the main breadwinner or has to earn the most money in um, the, in the relationship and in today's day and age that's totally ridiculous we actually don't need that belief but because ancestrally and through generations in the past that has been the norm then people have these subconscious beliefs and when we shift that subconscious belief they suddenly be, go oh my god my business can just flourish and and I didn't realize that I was keeping it small um, because of that belief, like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> so it's kind of bringing awareness and to subconscious beliefs that might you might not even realise that you have. Yes, absolutely. And um, I know from my work in manifestation that you know if your subconscious is is contradicting the conscious desires that you want then you're not going to manifest what you want until you deal with those subconscious beliefs. Um, Absolutely. So, Nikki, what's been your, you know, you've been in business for years. You were um, were a PA and a VA for over 20 years, and you've obviously got this business that you're running now. Um, Mm -hmm. What's the biggest fear you've experienced yourself, and how did you actually overcome that? Uh, my biggest fears were um, very much, not so much putting myself out there, I guess. So what happened for me was I um, was, when I was being a PAVA, I wasn't spiritual. Actually, no, I didn't realize how spiritual I was. I have always been spiritual. I had, it's something that I had very much closed off. Um, so what happened to me is I went through a divorce and then I did a lot of soul searching and that's when I discovered theta healing. So I tried out a lot of different modalities and when I discovered theta healing, I was like, this is what I love. So my um, whole business world knew me as this practical, um, you know, organized, I, I'm a systems girl, I, I like procedures, manuals, you know, being a PA and a VA, you know, you're that organized person that gets somebody's business rocking and, and have all the systems and all that kind of stuff. So here's me, this really logical, professional, um, straight shooter kind of person that suddenly become this woo-woo healer. So for me, the fear was, becoming that and being that and projecting that out into the world and owning it. It was massive for me. I actually, I call it, it was very difficult. It was, come, I just call it like coming out of the spiritual closet and um, it was just, that was my biggest fear. I had to hide it for a long time. I kind of, and then I did things like I changed my Facebook so that I would have this spiritual bit and, and then a and non-spiritual bits and that people didn't judge me for who I was and it, it took a lot of work to get through that and actually just come out and say this is who I am and you know even today I go to um, business networking events and I have spiritual business mentor as my title underneath my name and I still have people that look at that and run a mile um, and I'm okay with that now but it's taken that's probably been my biggest fear that I've had to overcome in business. Well, I completely resonate with that because, <laughs> you know, I was over 20 years in, in IT, um, um, very logical, analytical, left-brain world, male-dominated. I was a project manager of big, big projects. 
And that, again, was very similar. It, it was during a lot of problems in my marriage that I um, was on a journey of spirituality. And I, I myself, I, I had this resistance about, well, how much should I come out about this? Because it was so in contrast to what I'd been doing before. Um, uh, but I think as we do the, the work on ourselves and gain that feeling of um, self-confidence, I think we come to a realization that um, certain people will resonate with it and certain people will not, and that's absolutely fine. So, you know, I agree with you about networking events. If you're not open about who you really are and what you really do, the chances are you'll connect with the wrong people who won't appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and and it is hard, and it is hard to be your truth. And it, I also see, um, you know, when, as a business mentor, and you probably do the same, every, when you're telling people how to set up their About Me page on their website, it's all about being real and be authentic and, and share your story so that people can relate to who you are and what you've been through so that they can see that you're the right person to work through. So... That's a very raw and, and hard thing to do is to put an emotional here's my story about me page out there for everybody to read. So I see a lot of fear come up around that as well. But when you can break through that fear and just go, well, this is me, take it or leave it, that's when the magic really starts to happen because like you just said, those that get you, those that resonate with you will be attracted to you and those that don't, you know what, they were never going to work with you anyway. It's... um. And you would have, even if they did come and work with you, they might have had one session and never come back. So you're actually saving time by being open and honest in the first place. Yes, completely. And, um, yeah, the, the other thing I was going to say is that um, people are very worried about judgment. I mean, some, one of the things that I realized when I was going through my own personal journey, and this isn't that long ago, was, you know, I'd learned all about the ego and what we need to do in order to overcome the, the control of the ego, which is where all the fear originates. But I suddenly had this dawning realization of how much I was in judgment of other people. And, of course, being in judgment of other people is... Um, really an expression of how much you judge yourself <laughs> so you know we are the the biggest critics of ourselves aren't we 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 criticize ourselves far far more than anybody else would do and see things in a completely different perspective so one of the things i think is a great exercise is to really recognize judgment whether it's of other people or whether it is of yourself and really work to combat that because that I think is at the heart of of gaining that self-acceptance and that self-appreciation and ultimately self-love is that something that you have found as well absolutely yeah and I also if we bring that back to business you know I see that a lot playing out with people who want to be rich you know they of course we all want to be rich we all want to be abundant we all want to you know have no mortgages and all that kind of stuff but what I see is then that judgment of other people who have it so there's a jealousy in it and and um, it's an awareness of that as well and I used to have that as well I used to sit there and you know if I pull up at lights and look over and the man next to me is in a you know convertible Mercedes with 
you know, leather seats and obviously incredibly rich. And, and I used to go, you know, mm -hmm, how can he have all that? And I can't. And, mm -hmm, and judging him, you know what? I should have been going, I aspire to that instead of judging him for, you know, having that when I didn't. And I, and I see that a lot in people. So when we're judging other people's successes and, and not being happy for them and not celebrating with them because we might feel a bit jealous or whatever that is, that judgment that we're putting on people is stopping the manifestation in ourselves for that to come true because we're kind of dissing what, what we're actually aiming for. Absolutely. And you talked a little bit earlier about um, where people's subconscious fears come from. What, what in your experience, are the most um, influential in terms of impact on, you know, how, what's most influential in terms of experiences that impact people in a way that creates the kind of fear and um, lack of confidence that we've been talking about? So the biggest one is parents. Um, it, first off is, you know, the, the beliefs that they've handed down. You know, perhaps you're not doing something that they thought you wanted them to be. Perhaps you were the golden child and they've put a lot of pressure on you to be that perfect person and you don't feel you can live up to that. Perhaps you weren't the perfect person. Perhaps you were, you know, kind of treated badly as a child and, and that's something that's really hindering you. And, and being a parent, um, myself, I go, oh my God, I'm putting all these beliefs on my children. But, you know, at the end of the day, as parents, we're just doing the best we can. As children, we take on what we, what we choose to take on. And then as an adult, it's um, very much, I think, about having that journey and that healing around what you, what's not yours anymore, what you're allowed to let go of, what, what actually defining is my parents' belief and, and maybe I don't need that and I don't want that anymore. And, and it's not that the parents are bad, it's just, you know what, that was their beliefs and, and they're not serving you anymore. So parents definitely, past definitely is another one and I just touched on that before about past successes and past failures. Another massive one um, is peers. So a lot of people cannot be successful in business because they're really scared of leaving people behind. And especially in Australia, you guys in America don't have it so much. We have what's called a tall poppy syndrome, that you don't want to be that tall poppy. You don't want to stand out. You don't want to be different. Um, Australia is very much around you want to be one of the crowd. So you don't, because if you are that tall poppy, somebody's just going to come along and cut you down. Um, so there is that fear of standing out so that people don't cut you down. And, and I see that play out a lot in business. So... Um, peers is another big one. So the, the three P's are parents, past and peers. And then the other big contender is what I call group consciousness and what they call group consciousness in theta healing. And that is um, around the um, what the world is thinking. So and, and what, what are the kind of beliefs that we buy into? So that comes from the media. And, you know, when we're all looking at the economy and the media bangs on about how bad the economy is, do we take on those beliefs and do we believe that? Um, you know, and if I say the, the term money is the root of all, everybody goes evil or money doesn't grow on and the answer is trees. You know, it's... Um, it, we know these things and, and they're just inbuilt in us. They're sayings that have come over and over time that sometimes we go, actually, that, I might have that belief and I need to let that go. Yeah, I think conditioning um, plays a huge part in 
in setting our level of expectation as to what's possible for us as well, we put this ceiling on um, what it, what we think we can achieve based on the experience growing up and also the level of the people that we associate with. Um, you know, there seem to be some people that li- live this uh, lifestyle that for us seems to be out of reach. So we're kind of develop we develop these subconscious beliefs that that level of achievement isn't possible for us, um, whether it's wealth or whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. So what can people do to get rid of their fear in business? So the biggest thing that they can do is awareness. And I know that sounds a bit like, well, really, is that all she's going to give us? But... Um, Awareness is such a powerful tool and when you become aware of your thoughts and when you can become aware of that procrastination or that, um, you know, putting things off or, or why aren't I doing this, then you actually um, can start to change and it's like um, you've got, you know, all these little uh, connections in your brain that uh, firing and that awareness is actually helping you to stop those connections firing if they're no longer serving you and create new connections that do. So, um, you know, catching yourself, like if you if you feel yourself um, saying out loud, oh, you know, this isn't going to work or whatever, and just having that awareness to actually, oh, hang on a minute, I've just spoken out a negative word. You know, when we talk about the law of attraction, what we project we receive. So if we're projecting this isn't going to work, this is going to be hard, this is going to be, you know, whatever, and using words like horrific and and too hard and I can't afford, all those kinds of things, that's what we're projecting out. So the biggest thing that people can do without going and, you know, spending money and seeing healers and, and doing a lot of work on yourself is that awareness because then you can catch those thoughts or you can catch that statement and change it really quickly. And when you start to do that, over time it gets easier and easier and you start to think you start to notice that your thoughts and your sayings are more positive because you've been aware of catching them in the first place i think it's really hard the biggest thing about the subconscious is we don't have the awareness around it so bringing that awareness into your thoughts especially um, as you're working in your business and what are you saying and what are you you know feeling uh, is incredibly powerful Yes, I absolutely agree, and um, to me, that's the essence of mindfulness, which, of course, is the buzzword that's used around it now, and yeah. Uh, yeah. very much about being conscious of your consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, definitely. Um, obviously, we were talking earlier about spiritual aspects. Do you believe that um, when we talk about past experiences, influencing our beliefs and our uh, fears. Do you believe that there is influence from past life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in past lives and um, I, I totally think that, you know, even people that I have met and, um, you know, I totally believe in soulmates and a soulmate doesn't just have to be a uh, relationship, like a sexual loving relationship. I have amazing soulmates that I have met in this lifetime who we have spent many, many lifetimes in. And 
um, we do amazing business ventures together and, and are great colleagues and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I am a massive believer in past lives and, um, yeah, I think um, it plays a big part in, in our lives today and having that awareness around that is, I love it. it I just I find it incredibly powerful and stimulating. Yes, and I think one of the big things is actually being able to um, let yourself off the hook a bit, you know, over hmm. what what you're doing, how you're behaving, you know, because back to this thing about judgment, you know, why the hell did you do that? <laughs> um, yeah. But by what you were talking about before about awareness, it, it brings that detachment of standing back and saying, okay, well, this is interesting. I wonder where that came from. And you can really separate yourself emotionally from from whatever's going on and really be able to do the assessment to work to identify the core of the issue that's playing, playing out without getting into that self-blame, I think. I think it's, it's really powerful in, in um, helping you to see the bigger picture don't you think? Absolutely. And I see it a lot in the holistic space, especially with energy healers. You know, in past times, like really past times, like lots and lots of past lives ago, witches would burn at the stake. You know, these people mm. who were intuitive and, and actually could do potiony stuff, they were burn at the stake. So if you've been a witch in your past life and you've been burned at the stake, then how on earth are you going to put yourself out there in today's day and age and be on social media going, I'm this healer and I can do all this stuff because of this past life experience? So when you start working with a healer and somebody like me or other healers that can help you, you can go back and, and clear those energetic connections to that fear that have come from a past life where you might possibly have been burned at a stake. Yeah, that's And that's also really a lot of wealth stuff. Mm. Yeah. Interesting because um, a guest we had on the show last year called Laura Powers, who's known as the Ghost Whisperer, she mm-hmm. was talking particularly about the holistic community that tend to have this issue around money and, and about the um, difficulty, the resistance to accepting money in payment for their gift of healing or whatever that um, gift might be. And she was yeah. talking about it as a, as a stage of evolution of, of, of being in a martyrdom uh, level where you have to give everything away and sacrifice everything and it takes some you know it can take multiple lifetimes to work through that experience out to where you really recognize the value of of your gift and the balance of being rewarded for the gift that you're giving yeah and i see that all the time in the industry i see so many people go but, you know, I, I just, it, it's that sacrifice, exactly what you said. It's like I have to give and I can't possibly receive and I just want to help. And, and my argument to them is, well, that's great, but we live in a world where money is the energy exchange of our society. And if you don't receive money for your gift, then there's no exchange. You know, there has to be some kind of energetic exchange. You can't constantly give and give and give because A, 
you will starve and die because you won't be able to afford to pay for your food. But um, B, there has to be that there has to be that give and take, and you can't constantly give all the time. So I'm constantly working with people around their mindset around um, receiving, receive what you are worth. You have a talent, and I think it's also. Um, and I'm so passionate about this. You know, there's not um, a thousand million healers out there who are just walking the earth. It's not like you can walk down the street and go, oh, hey, um, you're a healer, just do this thing on me. So people who are in this space have this amazing gift that they can share. So they should be rewarded for that and they should be charging a, a good amount for that because it's not something that we can get everywhere and, and at a dime a dozen. It's a rare thing that, people who have this gift and they should be rewarded for that. Yes, and I think we're very good at putting a price on physical things, you know, products and goods. Yes. But it's, you know, not only in terms of the people that are delivering that service, that gift, that healing, but also the people who receive it, you know, don't always value something that is literally life-changing, is transformational. And... You know, sometimes it's hard to put into words the tangible result of working with people. How do you value removing someone's fear to enable them to move forward? Because, you know, it's not like suddenly you've landed a, a wad of notes on their desk, but what you've done is you've opened up their ability to create that wad of notes, which may come a little further down the line. So it is, you know, service, valuing service can be a little bit more challenging, not only for the deliverer, but for the person who's receiving as well. Do you find that? Yeah, and that's why all marketing should be benefit-based driven. You need to be selling not that you're a healer, but the benefits that you can bring to people. So, you know, I can help you be more successful in business. I can help you get more clients, that kind of thing. They're the benefits of working with a healer who's going to clear your subconscious blocks around business. Um, I think there's a really nice example if you look at acupuncture and fertility. So if you look at somebody who's in looking to have a baby and they're struggling to fall pregnant, acupuncture is one of, you know, fertility is one of the biggest reasons people go and see an acupuncturist. They're totally happy to go and pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to have IVF. But the acupuncturist who quite easily can bring in that fertility just, you know, as well as IVF um, is charging $80 a session. <laughs> And, and, you know, I just see that disconnect of going, but it's the same thing. You're bringing somebody a baby. Mm. But I guess with IVF, with IVF, they're seeing like this physical process that's literally the, mm. the, uh, the procreation process. But perhaps there's a belief there that needs addressing in terms of what is possible for people, you know, again, a conditioning into, well, conventional medicine does this, but I'm not too sure about this because, you know, it's not being mainstream. Yeah, and, and the acupuncturists aren't allowed to say we guarantee that you fall pregnant. And then my argument is but the IVF people don't do that either. You know, how many people have been through years and years of IVF and never fall pregnant? So there is no guarantee during IVF that you're going to fall pregnant. There is no guarantee if you do acupuncture, you will fall pregnant. But they're just as viable choices as each other. 
One mm. you pay thousands and thousands of dollars for, one you can pay $80 a session for. Mm, absolutely. Well, we are getting close to the, the end of the show, Nikki, but before we, um, we get to the end, I'd like you to just tell us a little bit more about the theta healing because I'm not completely familiar with it, and I'm sure many of our listeners aren't either. So you use theta healing in, in helping people to address their fears and resolve their fears. Can you tell us a bit about how that works? Sure. So Theta Healing is an energy healing modality. It's a spiritual energy healing modality. So the Theta Healer practitioner uses the Theta brainwave state. So the Theta brainwave state is the state that you um, are in when you go to bed at night and you know you're just about to drift off to sleep but you're actually still consciously awake. It's that feeling. So all of us go into Theta every day. So the Theta practitioner learns how to consciously go into that state in, in a session and then we inevitably take the client with us into theta and then we use the spirit, universe, creator, whatever you want to call it, whatever you believe in, um, to spiritually guide us in that theta brainwave state to heal the person. So um, Viana Steibel, who is an American, she created theta healing um, through her experiences in her life and it's a big long story that I won't go into now. People can Google Viana. Um, and find out her whole journey and um, it's an amazing tool and basically what we do is we we shift in we're discovering the subconscious beliefs and we're shifting them and creating um, he- people do do healings like uh, physical healings. I don't do physical theta healing I do business theta healing so I am constantly working with people around success in business and clearing those subconscious fears and I guess um, a nice analogy is if you think of a brick wall and if you were and that brick wall is beautifully um, placed and all cemented in and they're all your beliefs that you have what we do is we try and find the core belief so we go down that brick wall um, through the session and we're looking for that really one core subconscious belief that's holding that brick wall into place and we're pulling out that bottom brick and the whole wall comes coming down and so you're actually so so if the brick wall was stopping you moving forward, is stopping you being successful because that's your load of beliefs, we actually shift that, um, collapse that brick wall by pulling out that one bottom belief that allows everything else to kind of fall around it. That's completely hands-off modality. It's something that can be done over Skype. It can be done remotely. Um, it's actually just, I find it um, incredibly instantaneous and long-lasting and um, I just love it. it, As soon as I saw the modality and heard about it, I actually just fell in love with it. Sounds really powerful, actually. And um, given you were saying, you know, you're working with four spirits, whatever people call the power, does that also address things from past lives? Absolutely. Every time I do a healing, there's past life stuff. So that and that's why I'm such a big believer, and I see it in a healing. I see what what people are bringing in from life to life, um, and it's quite amazing. Right, so it really is a fundamental, at the fundamental core level, that you actually treat these fears and these beliefs. 
Uh, it's one of them. It is one of the core levels. It's probably not all of them. Um, lots of genetic stuff, you know, a lot of ancestry stuff in, you know, in, in this kind of lifetime. So the lineage of your ancestors and things like that, it's just one of them. Um, so, it, but it, it, is, it does play a big part. Well, like everything, um, we all are like, you know, onions with all different layers of things yeah. because of all our yeah. lives' experiences and all the experiences within this life. So, again, I, I'm with you there on not promising instant gratification and miracles. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on this journey, would we? We'd kind of get on the bus and then get straight off again because we'd, <laughs> we'd done it all. Whereas, as I say to people, why do you think you were given a whole lifetime for this? <laughs> Not because and using that uh, onion analogy, I use it all the time. It's like, you know, so let's say that the onion is this one fear, like, um, I don't know. Um, so one of my biggest things that I've worked on too is letting go of control. So I'll, I've had to, you know, let go of control. You know, when you're manifesting, you let go of the how. And being an organized person, I'm very much in the how. Um, so, you know, you would have this situation where control comes up and you peel off a couple of the layers and then you'll do And then something else will happen and control will step in again. So that's the next layer. But you would never have got to that layer if you hadn't pulled off the layers first. And I think that people, when they go and see a healer, you know, they've had this issue and this onion that's got hundreds of layers on it and an issue that's, you know, let's say it's coming from a past life and, and or through their ancestors. So he's been there for a very long time. And then they go to a healer and go, well, we'll just fix it in an hour session. But it's not going to work like that. We need to peel off the onion layers so that we can get into that absolute core. And as we and and like you said, you've got that lifetime to do that, or or multiple sessions with a healer to work on the same problem. And I think people go, oh, I'm working on control again. And actually, no, you're not. You're working on it at a deeper level than what you did before. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've particularly noticed that, you know, I mentioned before I had a major scarcity issue and a real fear around money. And I've noticed that over the, since really recognizing that and working on it progressively, even if there may still be a reaction, it is nothing like the the depth of, of reaction that I got several years ago. And, and having that consciousness of being... Um, much more able to deal with whatever comes up in a very positive way and saying, wow, that's great. It's nothing like what it used to be. <laughs> you know, that yeah, in itself exactly. helps to release it, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that's just peeling away those layers. Then you're getting closer and closer to that core when, and eventually it won't even exist anymore and you'll be like, oh, and, and you won't even recognize it. Just one day you'll suddenly go, oh, you know what? That scarcity thing hasn't even been an issue for the last six months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Nikki, we're coming to the end of the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you because you. I feel as though we've got so much common ground here in terms of, <laughs> you know, what we what we love working on with people. So before we end the show and I hand over to Bill to close, um, would you like to share with our listeners where they can get in touch with you and find out more about the work that you do? Absolutely. So the best way for people to get in contact with me is via my website and my business is called The Heart Of and it's 
not the heart of anything, it's the heart of everything. So um, it is just theheartof.com.au. Um, and if you're particularly interested in discovering subconscious fears and clearing those, go to the healings page and I run an online course um, several times a year uh, and I run webinars and all that kind of stuff and I really help you identify subconscious beliefs that you might not have even known you had that are stopping you being successful in business. Um, so that's the easiest way for people to find me. So theheartof.com.au. That's great. Thanks, Nikki. And um, if you would like to find out more places to find Nikki, like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and so on, all the details are actually in the show notes. So you can actually go to the show on um, Blog Talk Radio forward slash The Smiling World and find all the details there that you need to get in touch with Nikki. So, Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. As I say, it's been a great pleasure, and I'm sure our listeners have got a great deal of value from what you've been sharing today. So if you'd like to just say a, a fond farewell to our listeners, and then I'll, I'll close down the show. Thanks, Jan. Thank you very much for having me. It, like you said, it's been a pleasure just talking to a like-minded person who actually is on the same wavelength. So it's been lovely <laughs> chatting to you, and I hope everybody's really loved listening to it. Yeah, thank you very much, Nikki. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be broadcasting every week with more expert guests talking about all aspects of conscious living. So to avoid missing any episodes, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio or visit the radio show page at smilingworldmedia.com where you can listen to our latest shows and sign up to receive news of upcoming shows by email. You can also follow us on Facebook, at facebook.com forward slash powerful people and join our Conscious Living Club group on Facebook. And if you just search for the Conscious Living Club, you should find it okay. So thank you again for listening and thanks again to Nikki. And we've got more excellent guests coming up in future weeks. And um, that's it from me for today. I'm going to hand back Bill now to close the show. Okay, thank you, Jan. And a reminder, the Conscious Living Show is brought to you by Jan and Bill Moore of A Smiling World. And we provide coaching, training, and events on personal empowerment, conscious evolution, conscious business development, and the universal laws of success. To find out more about our coaching, workshops, and online courses, and to get your free copy of Dream Achiever Success Kit, Go to asmilingworld.org, and if you are building or planning to build a conscious business, you will find a wealth of free resources at successfrequency.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for more expert interviews, tips, and tools on conscious living. And now we will close with the Beach Boys from their 50th anniversary album, Good Vibrations.